time I checked, the plagues that hit Egypt didn't hit Goshen. Come on. Come on, we need to get with the program today. God is in control. God is on the throne. They say this isn't like any other virus, and I believe that. I was preparing a message early this week, and I think it was about Thursday I was praying, and God showed up and turned my message on its head, and he let me know that this virus is not like any other virus. And before we leave today, you're going to see the purpose behind what God is doing. Yeah, it's tight right now. You're going to see it. and You're going to feel it. God uses times like these for a purpose. Real quick, if you're a first-time visitor, would you raise your hand? That's what I thought. If you knew, there's so much, there's so much that God is going to do. I wish I could, I believe God's going to show up in the way he showed up when I was praying. He's going to show, there's going to be a revelation that goes forth today. There's going to be understanding that goes forth today. In Jesus' name. Zach Popo, could you turn me up a little bit? You may be seated for a minute. How many people do have toilet paper? <laughs> oh, praise God. I'm telling you, in the middle of all my preparation, I was... I like to leave the home when I prepare, and I must have went to Safeway three times. <laughs> you got any yet? Nope. Called a bunch of stores. Nobody had toilet paper. I was like, this is ridiculous. So I went and bought a bunch of bullets. So <laughs> if anybody's got toilet paper, I'll trade you nine millimeter for it, okay? <laughs> oh, man. Interesting. It's honestly, I mean... I can't think of anything to do but to laugh right now. It is ridiculous. But the truth is there really is something happening. The virus is real. People really are getting sick. People are dying. It's interesting to me that the age group that are not getting sick are the innocent. And childbearing age females aren't in the age group. It's interesting to think about. The governor announced that <clears throat> there's going to be a suspension of gatherings over 250 people. 
I called my sister, she's over in Seattle, and I asked her how that was going because I'm seeing pictures of Costco in Seattle and it looks like bread lines in the Soviet Union. And she said the most disturbing thing there is the response from the church. Pastors are getting online and saying, God is saying it's time for us to just stay home and spend time as a family. Which sounds good, but that's not what God said. That's what the governor said. The last time I read Isaiah 9 and 6, the Bible talked about a son that was given and the government would be upon his shoulders. Not, not the government of men pressing upon him, but rather that all power and authority and dominion of government would rest on him. And we are in a time right now where our faithfulness to God's government is going to be challenged. And you can feel it. If, if, if you're in tune, you can feel it. But I have faith this church is going to be strong. I have faith in our leadership. I have faith in God's spirit. I have faith in God's people. I'm excited. I don't know about you, but more than anything, I'm excited about what God is doing in the earth. I'm excited. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Mayo. Thankful that they have the courage to go and preach, getting a little airplane filled with a bunch of random people and get where God's called them to go and preach what God called them to preach because they're not afraid of this thing. That, that's commendable. There's apostolic churches that are closed. We got to have some faith. And I understand, and I want to say this, because whatever the Mayos decide to do for, from here on out, that's good. I, I trust that. We, we, need to, we need to not go against earthly government. God wants us to, to have good relationships with them. We're in the middle of doing something in Liberty Lake that we need to establish and maintain a good relationship. So when I'm, when I'm preaching, I'm not going against whatever we do. I, I trust that. Just know that. But it's not time to go home and play patty cake. Give honor to my wife today. And I'm going to go slow because I don't have a lot to say. God gave me something real specific. And it's going to go forth. But I want to give honor to my wife. You know, when I met her and decided that she was going to be the one. She was beautiful. I mean, really, like I was, I was carnally minded. I was like, I don't deserve someone like her. And she was spiritual. And I knew she'd be a good wife. But I had no idea. And the thing that I respect the most about you, baby, is your ability to fill the role of mother. It's incredible putting up with two little munchkins. I, I come home, I spend 10 minutes, and I'm like, go to your room. <laughs> Where's the iPad? Give them something, <laughs> something to do. But when I have to prepare for messages, and I'm working, and then I go, she just handles it, and I come home, and her attitude is great. 
and our kids aren't not being taught. They impressed me. There's, oh, I just told my wife, there's things about Noah already that I'm like, I think he knows more than me in certain things. That makes me nervous. And I think he knows it. But there's a whole lot of people that their kids aren't going to get any education for the next six weeks. It doesn't touch the homeschool kids. Shout out to the homeschool kids. All right, if you would stand, turn to your Bible, 2 Peter, chapter number 3. I'm just going to read from verse 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition, destruction of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One more time, verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to you know, there's some times that my children think ice cream is best for them. But I know they need vegetables. That'll sink in later. Let's all pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I'm so thankful that you are in control. God, I pray that you would stir our faith today, Jesus. I pray that you would unlock our ears to hear and accept what you are saying. Come on, open your mouth and pray. Come on, you are the saints of the Most High God. Talk to your God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we worship you in advance. You are worthy of all the praise and all the glory. We trust you. You are strong and able and mighty. Thank you, Jesus.
Come on, let's all clap our hands unto the Lord. You may be seated. For the sake of a title, you can put up, God is trying to get our attention. We're likely the only church or one of the only churches with the doors open today. It feels a little bit like Hebrew in the land of Egypt, being a Hebrew in the land of Egypt. And as I already said, it's well within the scope of God's practice to use seemingly terrible things to administrate a purpose. Don't be so quick to pray against the coronavirus. In Egypt, God used famine and frogs and boils and flies and blood and hail and darkness and death to convince the strong men of that city to release his people from bondage. Should the Hebrews have prayed against those plagues? Were God's people not safe? I want us to examine some things together, and I'm going to lay a whole big thing out, and then I'm just going to tell you what God told me, okay? God's been the same from the beginning until now. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And despite all of our changing concerns and cares with this life, God's concern has remained constant. From the beginning, his concern has never changed. From the beginning until now, God's concern has always been restoring man's relationship with him. That's it. All the stuff that goes on in the world, all the things we got to do, God is not concerned with that stuff. He's not, he's not interested in our education. He's not interested in our occupation. He's not interested in our abilities or our talents or, or what we strive for in the flesh. That does not concern God. God's interested in restoring his relationship with man. That's it. Even, even looking just specifically, the purpose of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry was to pave a way for the restoration of man's relationship with God. It was to restore it. 2 Corinthians 5:19 to wit to know that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. When Jesus walked into the house of Zacchaeus, he said this day, this is Luke 19 and 9 this day is salvation coming to your house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Notice it doesn't say to seek and save those who are lost. It says that which was lost. Certainly, Jesus came to seek and to save the souls of men, but a lot more than that was lost in Eden. It wasn't just about salvation at the end of life. Jesus came to seek and to save everything that was lost in Eden. He came to seek and save the dominion that was lost in Eden. He came to seek and to save the innocence that was lost in Eden, the joy that was lost in Eden, the purpose that was lost in Eden, the authority that was lost in Eden. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm going to heaven. If you don't have purpose and authority and joy, God came to seek and save all of that for his people. He came to restore everything. Modern Christianity has counterfeited the message of salvation and dumbed down the recipe tried to make it more palatable, more savory to the, the human palate. And so we see now churches that have given in to the idols of this world that are fighting with the spirit of God for man's attention. Remember, the only thing God's interested is getting the attention of man. And this is important for the church to understand. And this is simple stuff, but you got to know it. And you got to view life through this lens. The purpose is to get man's attention. And so there's these idols in the world that are fighting for man's attention. So much so that you have thousands of churches that close their door on Super Bowl Sunday. Don't tell me there's not idolatry. I'm going somewhere. I want to remind us today... That the enemies that we fight are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are not visible. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a demonic spiritual ploy to distract man from his birth until his death, to keep his attention fixed, to keep his time enslaved, so that he doesn't think about God. Think about it. Children are entertained from birth until they go to school. And then their time is split between entertainment and school. I want you to think outside the church. And then it's entertainment in school until sports are introduced. And then at that point, some people give themselves to sports completely. Others stick with education and, or a career. And others that do seemingly nothing are devoured with entertainment. Demonic spiritual ploy to keep man's attention. And up until this point, when we, when we consider a human trajectory, it doesn't seem all that bad. They're going to school. They're doing a little sports. They're learning some good things in these things. But what it is doing is it's robbing 
man the ability to connect with God. It is stealing his time and his attention. And it's not enough for us to just know the name because globally, people know the name of Jesus. In America, people know the name of Jesus. Most churches still talk about Jesus. It's not a lack of knowledge in this respect. But the problem is that when they dumb down the theology and say it's just about believing in the name, they miss it. We know this. I'm laying this all out. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will, right, of my Father which is in heaven. It's not enough to know the name. It's not enough to operate in the name. It says, many will say unto me that on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So two things to notice. One, you got to be in the will of God. And for that to happen, you can't be working iniquity. And for simplistic, simplicity's sake, I'll just say that the working of iniquity is that which bucks against the will of God. And let me say this. You will know if you're in the will of God. You will know it. You might not get support. You might not get affirmation from other people. You might not have someone holding your hand while you're doing it. If you consider Noah, when he was called to a purpose, he knew the will of God and he began to work for decades by himself. And the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. So he was letting people know that, hey, God told me this, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I'm doing it, and he didn't get any support, but he stayed to the task because he knew this is the will of God. And at the end of time, we see it unfold, and only eight souls are saved by water. You have to do the will of God, and when you're in it, you will know. And if you don't know, then you're not, and that's okay because that gives you a place to begin. And if you're not, the, the beginning point of restoration is always repentance. That's right. And repentance, that word is almost antiquated because of man's degeneration and movement away from, from godly principle. But we understand that repentance is to move back towards God. It's to realign and move in the direction of God, not physically. It's a mental change, a spiritual direction shift. See, and this is what's, what's funny, is that when people hear preaching about repentance, it's like, it's like they lock up because they don't want to have to leave the life that they have, as if it's that great to begin with. But let me ask you this. And you can use this when you're talking with people because this, this settles so, so clearly to me. When, when an adopted child, let's say a child whose father abandoned him from birth, when he becomes an adult and he begins to re-pursue a relationship with the biological father that created him, what does he have to give up? Does he have to give up his occupation? 
Does he have to leave other relationships? Does he, does he have to change his clothes? No, he doesn't. It's simply a sacrifice of time. And the restoration of the relationship then begins to change the life. There is no sacrifice other than I need to know my dad. I need to know my creator. True repentance is seeking that which created you. And then when that relationship begins to form, you realize these things that were no longer good for you. The gravity of God pulling you up leaves some things behind. And that's a good thing. And that's the beginning of the purpose. God's purpose for man is to pull him from where he is to restore everything that was lost. And so, from the beginning, demonic forces have attempted to distract and busy man so that that search can't take place. I'm referring to this more than usual because it came to me late and I want to get it right. So historically, historically from the time that God established a people, the predominant stronghold for men, that which has always kept man from the perfect will of God has been idolatry. We know this. It's and to be a partaker of idolatry doesn't mean that you physically have to bow to a graven image. An idol can be anything that sits in the place of primacy in a man's life. Anything that unseats God from the consummate position of power can be an idol. And in time past, idols were images. They were objects that man worshipped. And but, but our lifestyle today has given a rise to a whole different type of idol. Education has become an idol. I believe in higher education. I do. But not at the expense of a relationship with God. Not at the expense of pursuing the perfect will of God. I, I've been enrolled in master's programs multiple times. I took one master's class. And then I stopped. I enrolled in another one, and then I quit before it began. I got into a doctorate program, and then I canceled it before it started because time is valuable, and you only have so much time. You can go to school and live for God. You can have a career, do well in that, and live for God. But you know when you come to a crossroad which side you have to take if you want to stay in the will of God. And let me, let, me, let me put it like this. You go to school because you want more knowledge. And you want more knowledge because you want to get a better job. And you want to get a better job because you want more money. And so you give yourself for hours a day for years because you want more money. And man can't serve two masters. You either love the one and hate the other or you hold to the one and despise the other. Man can't serve God and money. And so it is like this that education has become an idol. A 
Sports is an obvious idol in our world today. NBA, NFL, NHL, I don't even know, PGA, worldwide, soccer, football, sorry. Uh, cricket is big in India. Globally, it's an idol. And people go on Sundays, millions of people go to these events. And millions more tune in from home. So much so that during games, a spot of advertisement during the last Super Bowl was $175,000 a second. They projected 100 million people watch that game. It's such an idol that there are workout routines for children whose parents are obsessed and they get kids. They, they basically are offering their children to this idol from a young age. We're talking about spiritual wickedness in high places that has set up idols and the players are the priests and they feed people and the children are given to it, dedicated. You think it's not that bad, but they give all their time to it. If I was an enemy of mankind, I couldn't think of anything better than to just entertain him. Because the purpose, the whole point, everything that's happening in the world, in the spirit, is to restore man to God. That's it. I'm going somewhere. You're going to be, you're going to get it. It's coming. <laughs> and so, it's the spiritual strong men that have captured man's attention so much so that the thought of God isn't even in man's mind. You think of men of old. Men of old considered God. They, they were born into an environment that required God. They prayed for rain. They prayed for food. They prayed for their families. It was, it was always in the forefront of their mind that I am, I am a finite being and I need an infinite superpower to help. But the way that society has shifted globally has made it so that the thought of God is not even a tiny sliver in the pie chart of a man's mind. The idols have enslaved and entrapped man's time so he doesn't have time to think because he's always working. Slaving away. Think of Egypt. Think of Pharaoh. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And so it is. With all this in mind, that we watch currently as the idols of this world begin to bow down one by one. Think about what's happening right now in our world. Modern education that has no room for the thought of God. They're trying to take the Bible and fit it in with the likes of mythology. 
professors mock godliness. They mock holiness. They, they mock and say that the Bible is just some, some fiction book. And we're watching as education. WSU closed. EWU closed. University of Washington closed. Every public school in the state of Washington closed. And it's going from state to state. And it's going around the world. Education is bowing down. Not because they fear God. But because of an invisible virus. The idol of professional sports is bowing down because of a virus. Chinese and European sports canceled. The PGA just canceled. The NBA suspended its season. The MLBs canceled. NHLs canceled. And the heroes that, that are almost deified in these, in these things are self-isolating in fear. Stay with me. All the live TV programs are canceling their audiences. At least that was the first thing they were going to do. Now I just read this morning, they're canceling their shows completely. Going on hiatuses. Entertainment is beginning to bow. Disney canceled the production of seven movies right now. Netflix, all the, all the programs they were filming have been canceled. The thing that, that occupies man's time, these things are beginning to bow. I want you to consider Egypt again. Can you see what's happening? God's purpose is to get the attention of man. And, and what has happened is the spiritual strongmen that rule over these idolatrous institutions have stood in opposition to the Spirit of God. And, and God has attempted to get man's attention over and over again, but the strong men won't release their hold. And the church goes out, and we reach, and we pray, and we're not seeing this explosive movement that we're expecting. We're not seeing the repentance and the revival that we have been expecting, so much so that this generation in America has not really ever even seen a real revival. The kind that, that God steps down from heaven and there's an awareness everywhere. And so it is in times like these that God reserves the right to use a plague. And we watch as the strong man of education begins to bow and what does it do it gives people their time back schools closed what are you going to do 
And we watch as professional sports and college sports and high school sports and sports around the world are closed. And their churches of arenas of millions of people, doors are closed just as it was in Egypt. And sports bows and it gives people their time back. And entertainment and Hollywood begins to bow and it gives people their time back. What we're seeing is God forcing things that would not relinquish power for fear of him bow down because of an invisible virus. And what it has done, it has given man his time back so he can think about what he is doing on this earth. And what I'm here to tell you is that what God is going to do in this moment is people are going to begin to consider him. And we already know the spirit of God is drawing all men unto himself. And so what we're going to see is a repentance like we have never seen before because man has time to consider God again. It's time for the church to pray. I'm just going to throw this in here because when pastor asked me to preach, he said, I want you to preach an evangelistic message. There's going to be a ton of visitors in service. And I started praying. I started preparing an evangelistic message. And God gave me one. It was beautiful. Well, between me and him, it was beautiful. And then on Thursday, everything changed. And I knew that there would not be a need for the evangelistic message. So, Pastor Mayo, I'm sorry. Do you feel a peace? Come on, God is in control. He's in control and he can use whatever tools he desires to use. It's up for us to just have faith and say, God, let it be. Let it happen. I mean, the things that we stand up here and preach against, they are bowing down. They are closed. They are canceled. God's going to use whatever it takes to do the original purpose, which is to get man's attention. And if it means he's got to get the idols out of the way, so be it. It's an indicator that things are wrapping up. And it may be that the heart is hardened. And it may be that men resist. But repentance isn't just for the world. And if we don't know if we're in the will of God, then we work iniquity. 
And if we work iniquity, though we know his name, he's got a message for us. I don't want to be on that side when things unfold. Brother Jordan, why don't you come? I don't, I don't know where we're going to end this. I don't, I don't even feel the need to say any more than I've said. This is probably the easiest message I've ever had to deliver, actually. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray because there are people in panic. The hysteria is real. And we know what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. He said, except a man be born again, he can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And if you can't see the kingdom of heaven, then all you can see is this world. And if all you can see is this world, then you have every right to be afraid. Because there's no hope in the world. And God has established that on purpose. So where's the hope? It's in the name of Jesus. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. But you got to run into it. God, have your way. We're here as your people. Let's all get a little bit closer to Jesus this morning. God, I need to know the absolute perfect will. Come on, let's, let's really pray. There is something happening in the world. And you consider the ten virgins... That indicates purity. That indicates they were part of the church. All ten were clean and pure. They were all dressed in white. But only five were ready. God. Yeah. 